Hello and welcome to episode 76 of the Mid-Off Cricket Podcast. Mid-Off because by midway through, you'll probably want to switch off. I'm your host, Ross. Let me introduce the team. The boy from the wrong side of the tracks who has refused entry to every onsen he didn't want to enter. Uh. Welcome, David. Yeah, konnichiwa, Ross. Konnichiwa, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> A man who has said Shane Watson modelled his game on. Welcome, Michael. Hello, gents. And let me just say, if you don't celebrate a great cricket ton like you're making a test ton, why even celebrate it all? Uh, correct. <laughs> uh, Australia's number one Mitch Marsh fan, a man who's been smoking darts like a chimney across three continents for the last four weeks. Our guru, welcome, Alex. Hello, guys. Um, you probably noticed my voice is a bit croaky. Uh, a little bit gravelly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sounds like Darren Lehman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got my lanyard with the ice tray, with the ashtray ice, on the back of it. Ice tray on the back. Jeez. It's a little bit of a... You've got it's a glass barbecue hanging ice, off it. Yeah. I think Mark Nicholas is the one has the ice tray up. on the back, mate. <laughs> what happens is Belgrade stays Allegedly. in Belgrade, fellas. That's what I he got some new shirts though, Alex. I did. Flashed out. Went down to uh, Tajay and Kmart and bought the cheapest thing I could find. Doubled his wardrobe. Three. <laughs> uh, today we're in the quadrangled Frederick Harold Sock Company studios. How good is. What do we use? Discord. Discord. <laughs> Discord. What do we use? <laughs> what do we want? Better sound. When do we want it? Now. Uh. <laughs> this is a Big Log production brought to you by Tier 1 Sponsors for 2018. Brits Diablo, Poor Man's Yoho Diablo, Gateway Drug, to Fire Twirling. Wacker, Sunny Your Eyes since 1975. The Dot Matrix Printing Company, Tractor Paper Company, Snakeboard, Discutting Kneecap since 1991. Premier Bank, Channel 31, Bilo, Video Easy, Get It First Time, We'll Get It Free! <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget our merchandise on Redbubble. Check out the hat. You're a fuckhead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we start proceedings uh, today with National Team Talk. And first of all, uh, Someone who's not in the national team had a bit of a hit of cricket yesterday, I believe. Uh, didn't see much about it, but um, yes, uh, Messrs. Smith and Warner played Sydney Grey cricket yep. uh, yesterday. Steve Smith Both made 85. Right. Yeah, Dave Warner uh, looked like he was playing for South Africa. Uh, he made <laughs> he made 155. And there's a great photo of, it looks like a Canadian bloke bowling to a South African bloke, but it's in fact Nernie Hazelhurst. Bowling to Dave Warner at Coogee Oval. Nice. He's coming back from an yeah. injury, I think, Josh Hazel. Yeah, he was. is. He sure is. And so, did, did you know this, fellas, that Shane Watson was meant to play with Steve Smith, but he couldn't oh. because he had a calf injury. Fucking bullshit. Oh. I wouldn't read about it. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he refused because of, of Steve Smith's behaviours. <laughs> Well, he's a uh, former Australian player, so he would have been very, very um, a former Australian captain of Steve yeah. Smith. Yeah, captain. Don't forget, mm. be very disappointed yeah. in his fellow captain's behaviour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, very interesting to see that um, all the coverage of that. But um, the big actual news about Australia is that the UAE tour squad was announced. I'll read it out, and then I'll throw over to you, Mick, for some further information about this. So. Yep. Tim Payne retains the captain's armband. He's also um, going to wicket keep. <laughs> <laughs> to the other. Really? Knock <laughs> <laughs> me down yeah. with a feather. Yeah, yeah I know. 
says a few new faces and a few interesting omissions. <laughs> so let's start at the uh, in alphabetical order, the best kind of order. Uh, Ashton Agar, uh, Brendan Doggett, son of a paper magnate, uh, Aaron Finch, Travis Head, John Holland Construction, Usman Kawaja, the Flying Lasagna, our man, Manus Labu Hug Me. Yep, yes. that's it. Get around him. Yeah. Bolter. Nate, Nate Lyon, Mitchie Marsh, Smash, Mick Nisa, Matt Renshaw, Pierre Siddle, our man, back. Wow. And Mitchell Stark. So I believe, Mick, you had some interesting um, readings on this. Yes, so there was a lot of feedback naturally from the greater cricket community based around this squad. And Langer got into a little bit of hot water because he mentioned how important tons were and stuff in getting selected. And I actually found an article on Cricket Australia where they speak about um, the tons were one of it, but what the actual things were that resulted in these batsmen getting picked. So I'll just quickly touch on... There's three key things, and we'll quickly touch on what they are. So one was tons, or specifically the concentration that's required to score a ton. So Lang has already been, like, you know, he's been very repetitive about this message that if you want to get in the side, he wants to see tons, and that's his, like, it's not his be-all and end-all, but it's 60 to 70% of what he's requiring out of bikes. The next important thing he really wants to see is scores of 30-plus. So Cricket Australia, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know, it sounds stupid, yeah, but Cricket Australia... Cricket Australia, <laughs> yeah, Cricket Australia... <laughs> <laughs> Effective batting partnerships. So the idea is that Cricket Australia believe that if they can get the middle guys in the middle order at least scoring thirties, it'll stop. Oh, it'll, no, but it'll stop these massive collapses that we have have been having. Oh yeah, yeah. Which so, which is like it's so, very basic, but it's also not fucking stupid just either. Jump it's, in there, yeah. jump in there, and say that Marcus North would never get a game <laughs> under Langer then because he was under thirty or over a hundred. That post. Well, under that's ten. Like, I was going to ask. I'm going to ask. How did uh, Smash get picked? Then he, he usually goes oh, yeah. as well, didn't he? <laughs> International dialing code. To I think he's still got some photos of Langer and some of the selectors. So he keeps um, and then the third one was performance under pressure. So that's why. Um, the guys who tended to do a little bit in this Australia A tour, like Travis Head and that, were the ones who were given the um, the opportunity in this squad ahead of Hanscom who failed and, and others who didn't perform as well, like Maxwell and stuff. So um, the really the one that I want to touch on, I want to read a little bit of information. There's this article, it's on the Cricket Australia website or cricket.com.au, and it goes through each of the blokes and talks about you know how this fits in to them getting selected. But the one I want to touch on is Finchie because it actually has some really interesting points about Finchie because a lot of people are like... It's very interesting. A lot of people in Australia were a bit upset with him, but then when you read some of the comments from the people, like the guys who follow us in England and that, they were all really keen on him getting picked because they see what he does in county cricket and how dominant he can be over there. So it's very interesting to see the two sides of that coin. But basically, the big thing with Finchie is is that the um, his scores over 30. They use it as a percentage. So um, if you use that method across all formats in domestic and international cricket, the only person who has a higher percentage than him is Steve Smith. Wow. So Steve, so Steve Smith scores 30 or plus, 50... 50.49, so 50.5% of the time, Finchie comes in at 50.37. So, I know I'm not I'm not saying he's going to walk out there and be like Steve Smith, but as 
it just shows that they've, they've basically moneyballed this selection process, for lack of a better term, and, have, yeah. and are trying to find a way. They're not, we're not going to become dominant again like we were with Ponting and Steve Warren when we had Warney and McGrath, but they're trying to find a way to get us to win, which is all you can really ask of. So the I future... Wonder, sorry, Mick. I, no, I, you're I just, right. I wonder what happens if you change those parameters from 30 to 35... Um, I'd imagine Steve mm. Smith's would still be the same, but I reckon Finchie's might drop a bit. Finchie's <laughs> might drop, yeah. But then the other interesting thing about Finchie, because everyone's like, oh, you know, if I can white ball cricket, he's a white ball cricketer. When you change those numbers and look purely at first-class cricket, once again, Finch is only second to Steve Smith. Steve Smith comes in at 57%, and Finchie comes in at 56%. Jeez. So, and this is not, to, to be clear too, these stats are only for the last two years, which realistically is what we should be looking at. Because if you go like, someone worked out the last four years of first class cricket, Finchie averages over 50. So this yeah. whole idea that he's this crazy selection and he's this massive outlier isn't necessarily true. Like he does, he can be a bit feast or famine in the um, Sheffield Shield, especially... Um, Last season, or not last season, maybe the season before, he had a really, he had a really good one, then a, a really average one. But I think it just shows that there's some thought process being put in these selections, and they're not purely just going, "Well, he's a good bloke, so we're going to pick him." Or I like Nick Madison because he's my mate and he's got big ears. So <laughs> I think it's it's an interesting yes. thing. To uh, look you at can anyway. see that with the selection of um, our man Manus Slabuhagmi, the flying lasagna. But uh, I imagine yeah. his over 30 scores are good ratios. And that's why he's in there. Whereas I imagine someone like um, old Circus Maximus, Glenn Maxwell, has poor ratios in that regard. Yeah, well, in the Shield, he... Maxwell's at like 37%, I think it says in this article. I've got yeah, okay. Yeah. That's hugely different from uh, yeah. Finch's numbers. Yeah. Yeah, so I um, had a quick scribble down of the, um, of the team. And uh, I see they've got Matt Renshaw in there, so he's going to open, no doubt. Yeah. And then <clears throat> there's not really another opener in the team because Finch is a middle-order player in first-class cricket. Yeah. So you've got, I think it'll be Smash or maybe Kawaja will come up from three. Okay. Smash opens. Yeah. I still think Finch is a bolter as an opener because I know it's not the yeah. same, but he does open in short-form cricket. And yeah. I just think <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they... Yeah, experiment with him because I think from the other bats that they've got like your Mitch Marshes and your Usmans and Marnus and all that Finch is more likely to get picked as an opener than, than he might in the middle order especially like you've got Travis Head and that as well so, so this is the one I scribbled down I've got Renshaw then Smash Kawaja stays at 3 Head at 4 Finch at 5 Mitch Marsh at 6 Tim Payne at 7 and then Stark and Lyon are going to play Yeah. so they're the two of the Four bowlers, and then I think it's Agar or Holland, and then Siddle or Nick Nessa. Mm. So I think Siddle will play somehow. They don't pick a whatever age player is not to play him. Yeah, to go there's no experience. point taking so, him just to be a squad member. Yeah, so I think he probably bumps out uh, Nessa unless he does something amazing, and then it's <coughs> Agar, I think, would be the um, preferred to Holland, but um, they're taking both of them, so I think toss of the coin on those two. I think it depends on what you want him as. If you want him as an all-rounder, yeah. or yeah, to get some bowl or some... runs, you take Agar, yeah. but if you want him to actually turn the ball, which is part of a spinner's job, <laughs> then you're probably going to take yeah. Holland, I think. Well, I could see also, if Mitch Marsh, Mitch Marsh is going to play, he always does, yeah. he's going to bat at six, they could go three spinners. Um, 
because Marsh and Stark to open the bowling and then Agar Holland line, something like that. Well, especially yeah. if the UAE dishes up the yeah. um, the roads that they dished up in the past, yeah. like yeah. having big quicks just busting their ass on them might not work. Yeah. And then you got more spin from Finch and Travis Head mm. too. So oh, a bit of leg spin from Matty Renshaw. Bit of Aaron Finch with his left arm yeah. orthodox. Oh tweakers. yeah, let's Just let's follow. see the pig. Let's see <laughs> the pig <laughs> throw him day. down. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I've just jotted mine down quickly. Uh, I've got Renshaw, Finch, Kamashwa, and then Smash Head, Marsh, and then T Pain, Stark, Agar, Pierre, and Lion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tend to agree with Very that, similar. but I'd swap Agar and Holland. Ah, yep. But I tend to agree with the rest of that. No spot for um, Brendan Doggett, son of a paper magnate? Well, um, one of the quicks is going to break down, let's be honest, because they play for yeah. Australia, so uh, he'll get a go. Mm. Well, he's a batsman, but yeah, good good luck to him coming in as a bowler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck being a Isn't bowler he? in the UAE. Fuck <laughs> yeah. that shit. I'm not sure if this is correct, though, because I'm on crickbuzz.com and it says that uh, Marnus Labuhagmi is an all-rounder, so oh, maybe dog it isn't a bad thing. In that article I <laughs> yeah. read, apparently he bowls leggies. He oh, does, wow. he does. He's yeah. bowling a little bit more, but I wouldn't call him an all-rounder. Nah, yeah. that'd be filth, I reckon. Mm. He is also a part-time <laughs> leg spinning option and has Part-time. two run-outs. Oh, in get the out of oh, <laughs> He has two run-outs. <laughs> get him in! Never <laughs> love the run out. <laughs> oh, who doesn't love a run out? Uh, so uh, Australia have uh, jetted into uh, the United Arab Emirates and had a warm welcome as they hit the training track in forty-one degrees. Yeah, I um, I, I wouldn't have said warm welcome. I, what I read was it was fucking hot. That's what I read. <laughs> <laughs> they sweated and panted through an intense three-hour training session at the International Cricket Council's. Cricket Council's headquarters in Dubai on Saturday. Wow. It's an interesting place that it's got pitches from which uh, mimic pitches from all around the world. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's Why where Australia put a went. Road then? <laughs> well, they have got an asphalt pitch. It's at the very far end. Just go down to <laughs> concrete chippers. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, where Australia went before they toured India, where they were you know semi okay. Only lost the series. You know. Uh, not not whitewashed that yeah. one recently. Two one. They went to yeah they went to Dubai and practiced on Indian style turners yep. and got a host of um, locals to bowl at them and stuff like that. So. And then the Indians dished out a couple of green ones, didn't they? <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Best laid plans. Yeah. Don't forget so, the um, um, wicker chair at bat pad also, Ross. <laughs> yes, that's true. And uh, there's a great picture of Aaron Finch taking a break, drinking a bottle of water in front of a what looks like. A wooden grandfather clock <laughs> out on a pitch. Really? No idea what's going on there. Um, if you the can explain it to us, yes, it's well, it's, it's it's like a fake fake um, grandfather clock because it's like a wooden structure that looks like it could be a, a chicken coop or a bird's nest or something. <laughs> then it's just got like a wall clock hanging on it. So no, it's, it's too bad. That thing's style. worth like fifteen it's, million or something. Yeah, it's 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 when a building thinks it's flavour flow. It sticks a wall clock in its neck. All right. All right. So uh, Mitchie Stark was there. He had uh, blue sweatbands on, just to let you know. And um, yeah, lot of a um, lot of water consumed uh, during that uh, practice session. Good insight, Ross. Yep. 
Yep, and so the practice match versus Pakistan A kicks off on September the 29th. So they've got six days to bum around and play with their wicker chairs, mm. and then they're into it. So good luck, Australia. First test, 7th of October in Dubai. Second test, Catch Abu Dhabi, all at Fox October 6th. That's it. <laughs> I'll be watching it on an illegal stream, cricketime.co. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new one. I'm a Crick HD oh, yeah. man. Oh, crick- oh, I've always been a Crick time man. Yeah. Always been a Crick time Put your hand in your pockets, you fucking gypsies. Yes, horrible people is what you fucking are. <laughs> yeah. No, that's... It's because they're the best. Any games that happen involving Pakistan or India, you just know there's going to be a million options to see. (laughs) One gets shut down, another 20 open. All right, so there's a lot of excitement brewing about that. Two other big names that were out were Peter Hampscomb, obviously, who uh, has been pretty shit, and then Nick uh, Glenn Maxwell, Joe Burns as well. He played the last test. He didn't Mm. get a look in, so... All change, all change. All right, uh, we move on now to the JLT One Day Cup set to sizzle, Matador Barbecue style. And um, it was uh, with great excitement that uh, last week, September the 16th, the JLT Cup kicked off at uh, the Riverside Ground in Townsville, Tony Island Stadium. Yeah, that's it. Yes, so uh, really good stuff. Victoria played Queensland there, and it was very easy to see that uh, Victoria have come on in leaps and bounds since they've acquired Nick Maddinson. They've um, yes. they've really improved absolute shitload. So just we'll just quick run through some of the highlights of the game so far. Uh, had a case of. Uh, Martin Bryant made 45 for Queensland. That was a good effort. Uh, but he it was Mitch Swepson. <laughs> he played 10,000 shots yeah. a minute or something, I heard. <laughs> the man, he, he massacred them. So it was Mitch Swepson, though. It was an interesting game. Victoria only made 240 all out. And um, Queensland were in all sorts of uh, poo at 8 for 145 in the 30th over. But then Mitch Swepson, what do you do with a broom? You sweep, son. He came in. He made 77 off 78 balls, ably supported by Xavier Bartlett, newcomer to the team, and they got them to 227. Almost got him out of Solomon Meyer, Ross. uh, Yeah, almost got him himself and then um, just fell that 13 run short. So, Was that the game where the chairman's son did all the damage? That's it. Will Sutherland Pfeiffer. Mm, the Vicks won by 13 runs. So, well played, Victoria. Well played, Mitch Sweepson. Uh, second game. Now, uh, nothing says uh, fucked up fixturing like having a tournament that uh, has everyone play finals. And the next thing is that uh, the reason you're doing that is because you compressed time frames. You can't fit all the games in, blah, blah, blah. You can only play five games each instead of ten like they did uh, half a dozen years ago. Mm-hmm. So what do you do after the first game on the first day of the tournament? You have no games on you the sweep, second son. day. <laughs> you, yeah. you have no games on the second day of the tournament. You fucking cunts. <laughs> right, so then WA took on New South Wales, and New South Wales all out 204. As WA were all over it and made 6 of 206, and that was at the our favourite ground, the WACA ground in Perth. Sun mm. in your eyes. Moving on. Yes, uh, 
It was Tazzy and Victoria met in Townsville again. Tazzy, eight for 321. Massive knock. And who was the yep. player of the match? It was Maddie Wade. And oh, he opened the batting and made 117 off just the 74 balls, 11 fours and six sixes. Jesus. Destroyed them. Yes, Chris Tremaine, one for 80 off eight overs. <laughs> He's on Mick Lewis base. <laughs> uh, Vic's no good in reply. We move on, though. Uh, it was an interesting game then. South Australia versus New South Wales. No, not really. Uh, New South Wales have been rubbish. Yeah. Uh, they made 241, and South Australia got it three down in the 39th over. Jeez. So a massive flogging. Win by 11, with 11 overs to spare. Bloody hell. Back to the Riverway Stadium in Townsville. This was a ball terror, this one. Queensland, 6 for 316 off their 50 overs. In reply, Tassie... Six for 317. They won with an over to spare. Oh. And the man of the match was Ben McDermott. Top of the innings for uh, Tassie. Made 117 of 125 balls. Ably supported by 85 to Jordan Silk. A man we haven't seen for a, a couple neck. of years. Yep. And then who else would it be, Alex? But the great Mylenko. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 50 not out at the end of 29 balls. Strike rate of 172 to get them over the line. And who should be at the other end helping him out? None other than Clive Rose, who now has a man bun. (laughs) (laughs) What? Bullshit. He'd look ridiculous in a man bun. Yes, he does. (laughs) I think he's he's stolen a bit of um, the thunder of DJ Frank Worrell. And gone for the most ridiculous uh, <laughs> early season photograph or pre-season photograph for the um, scorecard. And he's got a, got a side-on pose. You're seeing a lot of shoulder in that shot. And, um, and then, yes, glasses, obviously, and a man bun, too. So that's a nice addition. Better than the moustaches that um, Daniel Hughes and Nick Maddinson were running with last year. Well, Maddo's still yeah. running with his, mate. Yeah, so an interesting name to see in the lineup for Queensland was a player you might remember, his dad, Jack Prestwich. His dad was Scott Prestwich, who used to play for Queensland back in the 1990s. Where was? Yeah, used to bat with glasses on. Right, there you go. And um, Billy Stanlake, nine overs, none for 65, just smoking them up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, just have a quick flick across here because another one of our favourite players has been playing for um, Tassie Gorinda Sandu, 10 overs, 1 for 61 Uh, that was the game where Chris Lynn made 70 off 65 balls and hit 4 sixes here he's back, it's his first time he's played a Matador slash JLT Cup since 2013 or something Jesus. like that. Yeah, because his shoulder didn't yeah. fall off in pre-season this, yeah, this that's year. It. Every other year he's dropped a shoulder. So good on him for playing cricket. I saw him go out for the toss <laughs> in the very first game and he was wearing a floppy maroon. It was oh, memories that's of right. Liv Richards. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He looked like a trying to, he's trying really hard. That's what I thought. <laughs> anyway... We move on now to South Australia versus WA at the WACA ground in Perth yesterday. David, I believe you went along to have a look at this one. No, I didn't quite get there, mate. Yes, sadly. Oh, great um, report. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Oh. 
What were you doing um, instead, Dave? I was actually watching the footy, to be fair. Ah, <laughs> uh, fair enough. Yeah. Oh, that's the game didn't. It was a day night. It didn't start till two p.m. You could have, uh, you know, jogged no, on down after. I was uh, well lubricated by the time that game started. Let me tell you. <laughs> right. Wasn't it a one twenty start in Perth? Yeah. Yeah, but not the day nighter. I would have been uh, three sheets to the oh. wind by the time I walked into the WACA ground. I see. Yep. Is that in Perth, the WACA ground? So, certainly, it's just down the road. <laughs> oh, right, there you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, sparkling well, stuff, yes. fellas. Sparkling, yeah. <laughs> sparkling, nothing better. Champagne on, on podcast. The, on the WACA ground, have they just mm. decided to, since they're not getting tests anymore, just absolutely not maintaining that ground at all? Like, you know, I the, think they've tried that a while ago. I mean, <laughs> the, the grass bank bit, or the wheat, or the yeah. wing, or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, you well, it was the where hill. the goals were. It's all rusted to yeah. fuck. Like, <laughs> it just looks mm. run down. Anyway, that's that was good. my observation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's good observation. Well, you've got a keen eye for this, having you know history as groundskeeping corner expert and yeah. that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, Let me go sorry if you picked up on that. I'll tell you something, I'll tell you something Alex. Um, yes, mate? Everything's rusted to the shit out here. So uh, a little <laughs> saying I've got is uh, rain drops, Perth stops. They have no idea how to handle it. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, and today's game was Victoria versus New South Wales. In fact, it was New South Wales versus Victoria at the North Sydney Oval in Sydney. Was that and in Sydney, Cameron, That's in Sydney, that one. Yeah, the North yeah, Sydney okay. Oval. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. it was Cameron White who made 123 of 139 balls. He loves this tournament. Loves a little one-day tournament to kickstart the summer of cricket. He was ably yeah. supported by a return to form by... Peter Hanscom, 89 off 79. And Victoria made 327 all out off the last ball of the innings. And uh, the man who did the damage with the pill, no surprises here, Sean Abbott, 5 for 70. (laughs) Killing it. (laughs) Jesus. Yes. Uh, Now, Moises Enriquez made 77 for New South Wales, but they, they fell well short. They were 261 all out. I saw that Moises Enriquez today was playing his 71st game for of uh, limited overs one-day cricket for New South Wales, and in that time he has made two centuries. Wow. Yes. So a top-order batsman. Well, he's not a top-order batsman's arsehole, is he, let's be honest. No. <clears throat> anyway, we move on. Interesting that um, the captain of New South Wales this season was meant to be Peter Neville. But he broke his thumb in the Wackernets in the lead-up to uh, New South Wales' game in Perth. And he's uh, been replaced as captain, not by his predecessor, Moises Enriquez, but Curtis Patterson is now skipper. Right. And Jay Lenton has come in. Jay Leno Lenton has come in as wicketkeeper. Mm. So there you go. Right. Um, yes. That's Daniel Sam's kid. Yes. Do it all right. 56 off 36. Belted him. Yeah. Yeah. He's been going well with the ball as well. Mm. And then you've got the brothers Edwards too, Jack and John or whatever his name is Uh, with the big hair. Yeah. Mick, that's it. Yeah, Mick Edwards. Yeah. He's a fucking crazy looking (laughs) weird unit, that one. Couple the, of surfy dudes. Yeah, yeah, the two of them, they both look like fucking identical twins after set of home and away. 
Yeah. <laughs> Mickey Edwards Mickey Edwards got a wicket the other night and it was did this whole like big celebration. Look like his eyes are gonna burst out of his fucking head. Uh, Alan Tuvey style, more eyeball out of the head than in. <laughs> oh mate. You, you mentioned fucking you mentioned a bloke called Martin Bryant before, fucking Mickey Edwards celebration had a bit of Martin Bryant mugshot in he he looks a bit like him. Yeah, he's got a lot of Martin Bryant and Mickey Edwards. Uh, I saw today uh, Wes Agar playing for Victoria. Yeah, the male model. Yeah. Yeah. Old uh, Wesley. Copped a bit of stick. Yeah, old Wesley. Mm. Uh, or Boa, as they call him. Brother of Ashton. Yeah. Yep. Boa. Boa, that's what I said. Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, so Victoria have already played three of their five games in a week. So why does this tournament... How long does it need to go for? It should be over by next Sunday, basically. Um, yeah, you can sense my frustration how shit the schedule Ooh, is. I can almost but, uh, smell it through the microphone. Yeah, <laughs> people can, but I won't bore you with that because it's 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 interesting. People like Daniel Christian, when this uh, fixture came out, were pointing out how um, Australia won World Cups back when we played ten ODIs a season, mm-hmm. uh, and at a test at uh, at the main cricket grounds after a Shield game or yeah. before a Shield game. Yeah. Yep. And then since we've had this format, we um, we haven't had a World Cup, so we don't really know. But we have lost, <laughs> have lost. What was it last during the year on that UK tour? What we lost our fifteenth in a row or something? Yeah, something yeah. abysmal. I, I understand from the it all comes from the um, the report after the twenty eleven Ashes. It was disastrous, and it said you've got to focus on Test cricket, and that meant got to focus on Shield cricket. Yeah. And so they've never yeah. they haven't touched the shield. We've still got ten shield matches in the shield final. That's great. But um, the Argus report is the name I was trying to think of. It also said that um, these guys are professional cricketers. Yet only played uh, cricket in Australia for their Australian teams for six months of the year, and that should change. They should be playing a longer season. They should be playing for more months. And yes. there's plenty of places in Australia where you could do that, such as Top End. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't understand why this tournament, if it needs more time or whatever the time they need to do, it will start it in the first week of September in Darwin. Yeah, yeah. I just don't, uh, I don't get it. Well, the interesting yeah. thing, but is like, hey, like you're saying, like putting it in blocks. We've been losing it, but that's how the English summer works, and it doesn't. Like maybe they've done it for oh, longer, so it doesn't yeah, affect yeah. them. But like, because I don't like, have they an do issue with the, yeah, I don't have an issue with the blocks. Yeah. Um, some of the players have. When they didn't have the blocks, the players were complaining their asses off. Now it's gone to the blocks. It's not the issue they went to the blocks. It's the fact they cut the number of games down yeah, so dramatically uh, yeah. from from ten to eight the first year, then down to six the last few seasons, now down to five. It's just ridiculous. You're now at half the games they played five years ago, and I know uh, you know fifty over cricket doesn't have the same uh, hold as it used to, but it's still it's the World Cup format. It's a legitimate format of cricket. Uh, they just need to go back to 10. It makes sense. You play each other twice. I, I'm all for the blocks and playing at different venues. I don't mind that. But, um, you know, if these games, they play games in Hobart in October, if these games in Victoria work in October, then you really, the argument for it having to be shorter is getting lost because it's not getting affected by the weather. Yeah, that's true. Either. I think the issue with the Australian side being shit, it's more that they, like, if you look at the English side... It's a very settled yeah. one-day yes, side. that's true. Yeah. Australia's seem to, and I think it's a decent idea, they test players out, you know, leading mm. up to World Cups, and 
that sort oh, of yeah. care a little bit less about picking their best side and a little bit more about yeah. looking to the future. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's yeah. probably why we're shit. We just aren't putting the best players in the in the side consistently. Yeah. Yeah. Or the best and players at that time. Another point anyway. that that uh, people would argue against that it shouldn't be Australian team should never be a development squad. Mm. It should just be your yeah. best eleven. Yeah. And there's both sides of that argument. The other thing that's happened with the one day team, it seems like some sort of bizarre thing where if you're good at T Twenty, you get put in the Australian fifty over team. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That just doesn't make well, any you sense. Said, like, you said, like Chris... the tournament gets ignored. Mm. Yeah. But like you were saying, but like Chris Lynn, this is the first time he's played a one-day domestic game right. in like four, five years. But he's been yeah. picked in ODI squads, yep, yep, and only not played because he's been injured. Yep, that's right. So Billy Stanlake as well, classic. Maybe we need to go down the English path where we just go to other countries and take players. <laughs> Seems to work. Yeah, boxing <laughs> Ben's from New Zealand. They've had plenty of South Africans, like. <laughs> Yes. Um, anyway, it, it's a good tunnel. I'm just uh, frustrated by its brevity. I wish it was a bit long. And also, the, the everyone playing finals is annoying because effectively yeah. they're all playing a sixth game. So we could just have six rounds and then uh, <laughs> the usual top three. <coughs> yeah. There's not much point. New South Wales have been terrible. Yeah. Haven't won a game. And they're going to play an elimination final against second or so, a third. Third. It just doesn't make any sense yeah. at all. Participation ribbons, it's just pointless. Yeah. The, the structure they had of the top three makes sense. If you've got six or seven teams, top three made sense. Yeah. First get straight to the granny, the next two play off. So, yeah, it's it's pretty shit. Um, yeah, the, the the breaks between games, I don't understand why they can't be a bit shorter. They play four-day games of cricket. You know, they're used to playing day after day. Yeah. Why can they... Is it really impossible if there's no travel, could they not play consecutive days? Is that just not possible? Just, I don't. I don't understand that. They're professional athletes. Yeah. Victoria's in Townsville. Couldn't they play Queensland on the Saturday and turn around and play Tasmania on the Sunday? Why would that not be possible? Mm. <coughs> and then have a day off. Anyway. <laughs> there you go. It's not going to happen. Well, I uh, think we we've gone on. to the depths of that, Rob. <laughs> yeah, I think so. You can you know, probably tell that I just think it's a load of shit. Yep, you've been anyway. flat there. That's sort of flattened you out, yeah. really, knocking it out, hasn't it? All right. Well, I know what'll get me up, Alex. <laughs> oh, what? An anecdote from you. No, Mix, have bat, we'll travel. <laughs> Alrighty, thank you, Ross. Um, yeah, so uh, for episode 76, we've got uh, have bat, we'll travel. So we'll kick off um, this episode's uh, segment with a wrap of the T20 Vitality Blast Finals. Yeah, Pre- break it Ooh. down, Mick. Wrap it up. Yeah. Pre- yeah. Proudly <laughs> brought to you by Bang Bus. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so the first semi-final was uh, Worcester taking on Lanks. So Lanks said we're given the choice and they elected the field. Uh, Worcester got off to a solid start, putting on 37 for their first wicket before losing Joe Clark for five. Saucy. Yeah, lucky for Joe, his opening partner, Moen Ali, did all the heavy lifting, making 41. Not to be outdone, <laughs> Ben Cox came in at number five and top scored with 55. So Worcester posted six for 169 off their 20 overs. Pick of the lengths bowling was the letdown, James Faulkner, who took one for eight, but only bowled two overs. Wow. Now, before now before we move on, I'd like to speak about Ben Cox for a minute. Now, as you may have noticed, Coxie. I skipped my usual nicknaming of Ben, and there's a reason mm. for this. 
Mr. Cox is one of those chaps who prefers to go by his middle name, which oh. is Ben. Now, the reason this may be is because his parents didn't think through his first name. His first name is Oliver. Oh, so his name, is, his name is Oliver Cox. So that's it. Get them so all. It. Yeah. Grab them like all. <laughs> chomp, <Sounds> chomp. <laughs> sounds like his parents are trying to prank Mo Sizzlack from The Simpsons. Oliver Cox. <laughs> hey, everyone. Oliver Cox. But uh, back to the cricket anyway. But Oliver, that just sucks for you, cunt. Uh, so Lank said about chasing down Worcester's 169, and it started off well enough, but they never really kicked into second gear as they fell 20 runs short. Finishing up at 9 for 149. In that situation, you really got to lose all your wickets having a crack. Uh, best with the bat was uh, Ross's man, the keyboard, Keaton Jennings, who made 51 not outs. Nothing doing, James Faulkner got 2. Pick of the Worcester bowlers was downtown Pat Brown, who took four for 21. <laughs> so Worcester win by 21 and 20 runs and go through to the final. Second semi saw Sussex go head-to-head with Somerset. Uh, Sussex were in the driver's seat and they elected to bat first and an inspired decision that was from the skipper Luke Wright as he made 92. Ooh. And he shared a 120-run stand with Sussex number five David Weiss, who got 52. Uh, nothing sus X finished 8 for 202 pick of the Somerset bowlers was former West Indian quick Jerome Taylor who picked up 4 for 20 that's 420 bro Uh, Somerset needed 203 (laughs) for victory but fell 35 runs short finishing up with 8 for 167 Uh, best of the Somerset bats were Tom ring my bell and Corey (laughs) Arn Anderson who who both made 48 Oh, good, Mick. Good. Pick of the Sussex bowling lineup was the Hobart Hurricane import, Jofra Archer, who took three for 32. So they're playing at home. Jofra's the big, tall um, bloke with the afro who played for the Hobart Hurricanes last year in the BBL. There's not, some other descriptive words I could use, but I don't want to use them. Uh, Sussex win by 35 runs and go through to the final to take on Worcester. Uh, so, the, so the final was Worcester and Sussex. Uh, Sussex had the choice. And once again, they elected to bat first. This time around, they only got five for 157. Uh, Best of the bats was the man um, with the most Australian-sounding name in county cricket, old Laurie Evans, who made 52. Uh, Luke Wright got himself 33. But the man with the rock, Moen Ali, did the most damage for Worcester, picking up three for 30. So Worcester needed 158 for victory. They got off to a great start, posting 61 for their first wicket. Joe Clark would finish with 31. Moen Ali got himself 41. But it was Oliver Cox who top scored with 46 not jump, out. Jump, jump. Get him in the... Uh... <laughs> As Worcester chased down the five run, uh, chased down the r- runs five down to give them a five-wicket victory and the crown of the Vitality Bar Blast 2018 champions. Man of the Cox. match, Oliver Ben Cox. Ooh, chop, chop. Get him in. So uh, we'll just quickly touch on um, just some stats for the season. So the leading bats was uh, Laurie Evans from Sussex. So this does include hey. the finals. So can he, I um, um, can so I put makes... there, Mick? Can we change Laurie Evans's nickname to the uh, political correspondent Laurie Evans? Yeah, it definitely sounds like that, doesn't it? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, 
3AW Breakfast Man Laurie Evans. Um, it's a, so it sounds like a combination of um, Laurie Oaks and Gareth Evans. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Laurie got himself 614 runs at an average of 68 with a strike rate of 135. He made seven fifties for the tournament. Uh, next in uh, second best with the bat was our man, old Aaron Finch, who uh, played for Surrey. So Laurie and the the bloke who I'll talk about next both played both batted fourteen innings. Finchy batted nine innings and he got oh. five hundred and eighty nine runs. Jesus, at an average of one hundred and forty seven point two five. Big fat Finchy. Yeah, and a strike rate of one hundred and eighty two point three five. Jeez. So he got himself two, he got himself two tons and three fifties. Uh, well, and, Langer wanted tons, didn't he? So yeah, there you go. It. How many over thirty scores, Mick? Um, all of them. No, no, no. <laughs> all of the tons were over thirty. <laughs> well, between between his two tons and his three fifties, at least five were over. <laughs> five out of nine were over thirty. So that's his percentage right there. Ratios. Yeah. <coughs> and the man who was uh, who got the bronze medal for runs was our was um, the Shermanator Ian Bell, who yeah. plays for Birmingham, which is Warwickshire. Uh, he got five hundred and eighty runs at four, at forty eight point three three with a strike rate of just under one hundred and forty. He got one ton and four fifties um, with the ball. The leading uh, bowls were Pat Brown from Worcester got thirty one wickets at thirteen. Uh, Matt Parkinson for Lanks got twenty five at sixteen. The uh, big jughead, Jamie Overton, got 24 at 22 oh, and a half for Somerset. Uh, big fat Jerome Taylor got uh, 22 wickets <laughs> at 16. I don't think he's big and fat. We're just going to say nah, he's Nah, let's run with it. And last but not least, the rim job from playing for Durham got 22 <laughs> wickets at, at chomp, 18 chomp. and a half. <laughs> All right, so that's the Vitality Blast. I went under the Worcester boys and their brown, uh, stinky fucking helmets. But, um, nice one. Yeah, so... We'll just quickly touch on. I've got a couple of rounds of the county championship as well because it's a three-week break. We uh, I felt falling a little bit behind, so I'm going to bang out uh, as much of the county as I can as well, so we catch up. Uh, so these matches were played on August the 29th. So uh, these are Divi one matches. So Essex played Hampshire. Uh, Essex elected to bat first. They made 435. Top scorer was Dan Laurie Lawrence, who told the kids not to swim in the pool, but he also made 124. <laughs> Uh, Saffa Kyle Abbott picked up five for ninety. Uh, in reply, Hampshire made one seventy-two. They obviously did nothing special with the bat. Uh, the Essex bowlers shared the wickets. Our man Pierre Siddle took two for twenty-two. That's it. Follow-on was enforced, and Hampshire improved slightly. Second time out, getting to eleven. Tommy Stage name Allsop made fifty-one, hmm. but everything wasn't Rick as they lost by an innings and fifty-two <laughs> runs. Pierre the wood. Yeah, the Woodchopper Siddle got five for 48. And the South African spinner, and they were air quotes around the word spinner, Simon Harmer took four for 64. Uh, Essex win by innings and 52 runs. Points Essex 24, Hampshire 2. So they mustn't, they mustn't have signed the team sheet correctly. Uh, next up, we've got Worcester took on Lanks. Uh, Worcester chose to bat first. Uh, Worcester were dismissed for 222. With Brett de Oliveira top scoring was sixty five, best of the lengths bowling was Tom. No, not George Bailey who took four for forty one. Uh, in reply, lengths made one sixty one. With their opener Alex Davies, the only player getting past thirty, he made forty seven. The man who lengths, uh, the man who gave the banks lack the, the lengths back in, batting a real licking was Worcester opening bowler Josh Tongue. Who got a real taste for the wickets, taking five for 63. 
Oh, fuck, it took me forever to write that. I couldn't even read it. <laughs> fuck it. Uh, Worcester batted again, this time making 252. Wayne Parnell led the scoring with 50. Wayne Parnell? Yep. Still going. Still kicking around. <laughs> and the man from the T20, Oliver Cox, thanks, made 40. Uh, Tom Bailey took three for 53. Graham Onions took three for 76. And Yummy. Keshav Maharaj, which is the young South African spinner, took three for 64. Uh, so Lengs needed 317 for victory, and they got there thanks to some lower order heroics from their keeper captain slash captain Dane Velas, who's a South African as well. He made 107 not out. So Lengs were four for 63 when Velas strode to the crease. He was involved in three 50 plus run stands. So fifth wicket was 58 runs, sixth wicket was 57, and the seventh wicket partnership was 139 runs. Oh, yeah. Worcester bowlers clearly struggled, so you could say Josh Tung and Co were thoroughly licked. Uh, <laughs> Lanks win by four wickets. Lanks nineteen. Worcester four points. Uh, Surrey took on Knotts. Uh, not selected a field first, and as the old Templar and Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade might say, "You chose poorly." <laughs> as Surrey made three seventy five on the back of one hundred and forty four from former English Test bat Mark Stoneman. Best of the knots bowling was Luke Wood with three for 66. So I guess cricket is like building a fort. Wood is no match for stone. <laughs> uh, in reply, knots are rolled for 101. No one got past 30. For Surrey, Tom, I live with the Marshals. Curran took five for 28. Uh, follow-on was in four. Second time up, knots made 149. Daryl's son, Craig Brathwaite, made 60. No one else got more than 20. Uh, Connor McCurr led the Surrey attack, taking four for 26. Surrey win by an innings and 125 runs. Surrey get 23 points, not get three. So uh, the the last match in this particular set of matches, Somerset versus Yorkshire. Uh, Yorkshire had the choice and they chose the field first. They chose poorly. In fairness, it looked great when Somerset were two for five, but Somerset would finish up with 399. Three blokes made 80, with the best being Azza Ali, who made 89, which I believe is dinner for two and a movie. Uh, Yorkshire opener Jack Brooks got the Mick Lewis Pfeiffer, taking five for 116. Fuck. Um, in reply, Yorkshire made 320. So, so I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this might have been a fair batting track. Uh, Yorkshire keeper Andy Hod the phone, top scored with 85. Best of the Somerset Bowls was Scottish one-day international Josh Davey, who took five for 65. Uh, second time around, Somerset declared seven for 339. Tom, what's in the bell tower? A bell. Made 132. David, so people call their, some people call their dick a Willie, was the pick of the bowling, taking three for 72 for Yorkshire. Uh, Yorkshire needed 419 for victory, but fell agonisingly short being rolled for 194 to lose by 225 runs. Oh, so close. <laughs> Kane and Kevin Williamson made 51 for Yorkshire. Lewis Gregory got four for 33. And Jamie the Jughead Overton got four for 25 for Somerset. Uh, Somerset win by two, 225 runs. Somerset get 23 points. Yorkshire gets six. 
They must have signed the team sheet twice. Um, yeah. So from there we move on to the next round, which was the September 4 matches. So uh, Surrey played Essex. Uh, Essex chose the field first. Surrey got 351. Leading run scorer was uh, Surrey skipper Rory Third Degree Burns with 90. And he recently got put in the test squad, I believe. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I think that might be right. It was either him or Joe Denley, one of the blokes I always seem to talk about on here, made the test squad. Uh, he was ably supported by Dean Algar, the South African, who made 75. Essex bowlers, Sam, not Alistair Cook, got three for 71. And the banana man, Pierre Siddle, got three mm. for 86. Shared, and they shared the polls between them. Essex made 126 in reply. Tom, nor Westerly, made 49. <laughs> Pierre got 21, not out. Ricky, your 36, mate, call yourself Richard Clark, took four for 28. <laughs> And Tom Marshes, never heard of him. Curran took three for 36. <laughs> uh, Surrey enforced the follow-on. Essex made 226 in their second dig. Ravi Bopara led the scoring with 81. Um, Pierre made eight. Ricky Clark picked up another four, this time four for seven. Four, four for 47, sorry. And Tuna Mornay Morkel uh, took three for 68. That's a tasty game. Tuna, Mornay, Morkel and Ravioli, Bopara. Bloody hell, what a, what a good start. Uh, Surrey requ- required two runs for victory and what can be described as a bit of a tease. Roy Burns took four balls to get it done, but he did. Surrey win by 10 wickets. Surrey, 22 points. Essex, two points. Ooh, so from there we head to... something. <laughs> yes, yeah. I think, I, think one of the, I think one of the blokes... Um, his floppy didn't have the club logo on it, so... Oh, yeah. That'll do it to you. When he, when he signed his name, it went outside the little box for his name. Ah, yeah. Unforgivable. On, that's, yeah. that's poor penmanship. Someone did a scribble to test if the pen was working. <laughs> someone signed their name as the name of their greyhound, I think. <laughs> Uh, so next up, we've got, we've got Notts taking on Yorkshire. Uh, so when they were given the choice, Yorkshire said, we'll have a field, thanks. And it didn't look great when Notts made 448. Fuck. Oh. So Ben, don't call me Ross Slater, made 109. <laughs> ben O'Duckett made 80. And yeah. Daryl's favourite son, Craig Brathwaite, made 71. <laughs> Big Timmy Bresnan was playing for Yorkshire and he took three for 93. Oh, nipples himself. Big nipples. Moves. His nipples would have been erect. He <laughs> could have hanged your keys on him, Ross. <laughs> he could have, indeed. Uh, to lay any speculation to rest, during the innings break, the ground staff were seen painting white, da- white lines down the middle of the pitch because this motherfucker was a road. Yorkshire ran up 498 <laughs> in reply to Knotts' 448. Fuck. So, Tom... So, uh, sorry, there was tons to... You played Test Cricket, Gary Balance with 104, and Tom Collar-Cadmore, who made 106. Big Timmy B chipped in with 80. Wow. And they went, would have been erect after yeah. that. And they yeah. went the only... They, glass. Hang, hang your keys <laughs> off them. <laughs> and they were not the only tons on offer as Knott's bowlers Harry the Stretcher Gurney <laughs> took two for 114. And the man who should have stopped eating a few pies... Should have stopped eating pies to bowl a few. Samit Patel, he took six for 114. Knott's uh, not, <laughs> had a sec, second bat. They declared one for 93 to end the match in a draw. Knott's uh, got 12 points Yorkshire got 12 points Fuck so that Ooh. game Between the two first innings Had Nearly 950 runs scored Fucking insane 
Fucking hell. Yeah. Uh, so next up, Lanks took on Somerset. Uh, Lanks were in charge of their own destiny and they chose to have a bat. Uh, all I'll say is choosing a destiny can be hard and Lanks were rolled for 99. Mm. Uh, no one got past 30. <laughs> now man Graham Onions made a duck. Tasty uh, duck, though. Yeah. Best yeah, of Somerset. Your eye. <laughs> it's an acquired taste, that duck, I think, anyway. Uh, best, best of the Somerset Trundles was Jack the Parasite Leech. Who took five for twenty-eight? In what can only be seen as a major contribution contribution to the team bowling, well, Don Best did not roll his arm over. Uh, in reply, Somerset made hundred. In reply, Somerset made one hundred and ninety-eight. Lewis Gregory led the runs with sixty-four not out. South African Louis. spinner Keshef Maharaj did the most damage, picking up four for sixty-five. And our man, Mister Graham Onions, took three for forty. So Lanks improved on their first innings, this time managing 170 in their second dig. Stephen Lara Croft top scored with 51. Uh, Lanks' improved performance may be linked to the fact that Don Best opened the bowling for Somerset. But it was fellow opener Jack Leach once again doing the damage, this time picking up 7 for 74, (laughs) giving him man-of-the-match figures of 12 for 99. So Somerset was set 78 to win. And as Liam, as Liam Livingston gathered his Lancashire teammates together, he looked them all in the eye and he said these very inspiring and factual words. We've got them, boys, and they've got to get them. And get them, they did. Sort of. Somerset managed to get Lancaster 77, but couldn't get the 78th run needed, and the match ended in a tie. Oh, no way. Yes. Yes. So the key destroyer. Yes. Sorry, Rossi, go up. Our UK correspondent um, Christopher Henstock was keeping giving us updates on yeah. this. It was a while ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's, yeah. Um, it's back at the start of September. That's how far behind yeah. I am in my counting. Because <laughs> there's so much fucking cricket they play. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> so the key destroyer in this match was uh, was once again the South African spinner Keshef. Uh, Mirage, who took 7 for 37, giving him match figures of 11 for 102. So the points were split, Somerset 11, Lanks 11. Uh, so next up we had Hampshire taking on Worcester. Hampshire made the choice to bat first. They got 191. No one got past 50. Sam, that's a direction, not a surname, northeast. Hmm. Top score with 48. Everything was not Rick, as Tommy also made a duck. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Ed Brute Bernard took uh, 6 for 50 for Worcester uh, Worcester struggled getting the 120 Daryl Mitchell got 41 but everyone else didn't really do anything special best of the Hampshire bowling was the old stager Dale Stane who took 3 for 25 oh. second time out Hampshire got 176 old stage name Tommy also bounced back to make 64 only 5 runs short oh. dinner, dinner for 2 uh, oh, Worcester chomp, chomp. bowlers Wayne Parnell and Josh Tongue got 4 wickets each Parnell got four for 23, and Tung licked himself four for 38. <laughs> uh, so Worcester needed 248 for victory, but they fell short, making only 133. No one made any runs of significance. Kyle Abbott took the most wickets, taking six for 39. So Hampshire got up by 114 runs. So Hampshire got 19, Worcester got three points. So that's uh, that's the Divi 1. I'm going to quickly run through Divi 2. I know it's going to be long, but I'm trying to get it knocked off, so we actually... Do what we say we're going to do every week and do a county wrap. Um, so next up, so these are August 29 matches. So we've got Kent took on Derby. Uh, Kent elected a bat first and took full advantage, posting 561. 
<laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so, uh, un- sheer and final type yeah. scores. <laughs> so unsurprisingly, there are a couple of big partnerships in this one. So for the second wicket, Joe Denley, who is in the test squad, because I remember reading that, he, him and uh, Zach, I've got cool parents, Crawley, uh, put on 170 for the second wicket. So Joe finished with a ton and Zach got himself 96. Um, and the eighth wicket partnership was 119. So that was shared by Never Trust a Man with Two First Names crew of Grant Stewart with 85 and New Zealander Matt Henry with 81. Uh, yeah, best of the derby bowlers was the godfather, Tony Palladino, who took five for 113. <laughs> 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 so, so on another road in reply, Derby made four hundred. You, you know you don't. You know you're stiff when you make four hundred, and you're still one hundred and sixty runs behind. Mm. So, top scorer for uh, Derby was Wayne Madsen, who made ninety three. Best of the Kent bowling was Ivan Thomas, who got three for forty five. Kent enforced the follow on how many? So this, how many teams would have made four hundred and been forced to follow on? Yeah, not many, if any. Uh, Joe Many style. (laughs) (laughs) Second time up, Derby only got 270. Uh, Harvey Hussain led the scoring with 66. Uh, Adam Riley did the most damage for Kent, taking four for 68. Kent needed 110 for victory, and they chased it down uh, four down. Nothing overly exciting for either test team. So Kent won by six wickets. Kent got 23, Derby got five. Next up, we've got Durham, uh, who took on North Ants. Durham elected to field first. It was clear it was the right choice, as they skittled Durham for 129. Unsurprisingly, there's nothing too newsworthy with the bat here. Uh, North Ants' Luke Proctor took 5 for 33. In reply, North Ants were a little bit better with the stick, making 198. Their skipper, Alex Wakely, Wakely, hands off Snakely, took <laughs> made 60. <laughs> Uh, Durham pair, Chris Rustworth and Matt Salisbury got four each. Uh, second time up, Durham fared slightly better, getting 133. It was their opener, Cameron, Lycheat and Steele, who top scored with 50. Pick of the North Ants bowling was Ben Dover-Sanderson, who took four for 34. North Ants needed 65 for victory. They passed it three down to win by seven wickets. North Ants get 19 points. Durham get three. So the, the real... The big losers out of Divi 2, or not just Divi 2, but mainly Divi 2, like Glamorgan and that, they lost that big time because when the Test squad got named, they had like Smarsh and, all, and Kawaja and all these guys floating around. So they've been shit anyway, but just made them shitter. Uh, so Warwickshire took on Glamorgan. Warwickshire elected the field first. Glamorgan made 203. Maybe not having Kamash run, that was better, actually. A few blokes got starts but didn't go on. Pick of the bowlers was Ollie Stone, who took four for 28. Uh, brother of Steel, Ryan Sidebottom, I double-checked, and he's the Australian Ryan Sidebottom, took one for 34. Uh, in reply, Warwickshire smashed out 503. The Chiefs destroyer being the Shermanator, Ian Bell, who made 204. Oh. And bat won't travel, Jonathan Trock got 28. <laughs> the Lucky to get bowling. on the team bus some days. Yeah, <laughs> the Glamorgan bowling wasn't great. Reading, leading wicket taker was show favourite. The man whose uh, his names don't match, Rudahiri Smith, who took <laughs> three for 98. He just missed out on the Gin Pfeiffer. Old, old stager and Glamorgan <laughs> skipper Michael Hogan got one for 75. Hogan zeros. Hogan! Yeah. 
So Glamorgan batted again. This time they got 265. Best with the bat was uh, Kyron Carl Carlson, who made 49. <laughs> Old mate Michael Oden got 28. Hulk. Yeah, and uh, New Zealand spinner G Tan Patel Sp- spun a web taking seven for 83. Warwickshire win by an innings and 35 runs. Warwickshire get 23 points. Glamorgan get three. <laughs> Next up, we've got Gloucester versus Leicester. So Leicester had the choice <laughs> and chose the field first. And after being asked to back, Gloucester made 202. James Bracey led the run for 76. <laughs> Pakistan quick Muhammad. If you miss the train, you'll have to catch a bus. Did the damage with five for 30. <laughs> Leicester got rolled for 111 and Fat Guts got bowled for six. That's it. Ryan Higgins led the bowlers for Gloucester, taking four for 26. Costa put up a better performance uh, second time around, declaring four down for 402. Ooh. Costa skipper Craig Dent led the, led the way, making 214. No bowling of note. Leicester, made not, Leicester needed 494 for victory, and the fairy tale finish that Leicester fans would talk about for the rest of their lives did not happen as they got rolled <laughs> 165. <laughs> but on a, pat, on a positive note, Fatty Fatty Boomba made 52. Hey, good on him. Gloucester's, Gloucester's Ryan Higgins picked up another four for this time, four for 28. Gloucester win by 328 runs. Points were Gloucester 20, Leicester 3. Uh, next up, we have the Battle of the Sexes. So Middlesex took on Sussex. Uh, Sussex elected to field first. Middlesex were rolled for 169. Chomp, chomp. There he only is. Three, <laughs> only three Middlesex bats got into double figures. And only one got a 50. And that man was the Tirana, Max Holden, who got yeah. 50 red. The man two Test Nations won't pick. Owen Morgan got six. <laughs> pick of the Sussex bowlers were Chris, not Michael Jordan, who took three for 28. <laughs> and Jofra Hawkeye Archer, who took three for 34. Yeah, good one. Uh, Sussex didn't perform much better with the bat, just sneaking past Middlesex score, posting 171. Lots of starts, but nothing special. James... Hope he's not related to Rolf Harris, collected 4 oh, for 61 yeah. for Middlesex. <laughs> Middlesex were better second time around, posting 232. They were led by their skipper, Darwood, that's not how you spell David Milan, who took, who made, I should say, 70. Sussex key wicket taker again was Big Jofra, Robin Hood Archer, who claimed mm. 5 for 69. Oh, yeah. yummy. Holly <laughs> <That's it. laughs> Robinson yummy. also took 4 for 59. <laughs> Sussex needed 231 for victory, but fell short, posting only 175. Same as the first innings, there was just a lot of staff, but no one going on with it. Wickets were shared amongst the missionary positions bowlers. Uh, Middlesex <laughs> win by 55. Middlesex 19, Sussex 3 points. Alrighty, so we're, just going, we're getting towards the end, I promise, people. So these are the September 4 matches. We'll quickly run through them. Uh, Derby took on Glamorgan. Glamorgan batted first. Derby got 251. Billy Good Godelman made 95. <laughs> on the Googs, Tim Van de took 3 for 66 for Good Morgan. On the Googs. The old sta- and the old stage of Michael Ogan got 2 for 48. Uh, I know good. nothing. <laughs> Good Morgan got 121 in reply. On the Googs made 9, and the old stage got 0 not out. The Godfather. Oh, best. Yeah, the Godfather, <laughs> Tony Palladino, picked up 6 for 29 for Derby. So Derby made 171 in their second dig with Alex Merv Hughes leading the way with 57. <laughs> uh, Glamorgan fifth change bowler Kieran Cannon Fodder Bull 
Picked up uh, three for 36. Uh, <laughs> dog. You fucking dog. <laughs> <laughs> On the Googs and Mick Hogan took two wickets each. Uh, Glamorgan needed 302 for victory. And they were never going. They were never in the hunt. And they got rolled for one thirty-two. You were never going to keeper, get it. <laughs> their keeper, Chris Captain Cook, got sixty-seven. Only two other players got into double figures. The Godfather did the damage, picking up four for fifty-two, giving him <coughs> match figures of ten for eighty-one. Uh, Derby win by one hundred and sixty-nine runs. Oh. Oh. Derby twenty-one, Glamorgan three. <coughs> Uh, so we had Gloucester took on Middlesex. Gloucester fielded first. Uh, sorry, Middlesex fielded first. Gloucester made two ninety six. Chris Dent was in the runs again with eighty two. Pick of the Middlesex bowlers was Ethan Bamber, who took four for eighty one. The missionary positions made two hundred and forty two in reply with their skipper Darwood. That's a funny name. I would have called him a Chazwaza. Milan <laughs> made sixty two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least someone thought that was funny because I thought it was really funny when I wrote it down. Uh, uh, now you've sent him off. Uh, Simpsons references. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Fred Durst all over again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> David Major Payne took three for 51 and Ben the Park, Charlesworth, took three for 25. <laughs> Second time out, Gloucester declared eight down for 251. Key contributor was Miles... His Aussie, his Aussie cousin, his kilometres, Hammond, who uh. made 123, not out. Irish quick Tim, I'm too old for this shit. Murtar took three for 29. <laughs> Middlesex needed 302 for victory, but the match ended. They were on five for 111. Nothing special with the battle. The ball in that innings was very pedestrian. Match ended in a draw. Costa get nine. Middlesex get eight points. Uh, next up, we've got Kent had North Ants. North Ants had a field. Kent struggled. They got rolled for 137. For 137, no one got past 30. Fucking, there's a lot of low scoring in the second division. Uh, Northern's Ben Sanderson got 337, and Nathan, and not Nathan, Nathan, what the buck, took three for 28. Uh, Richard Gleason got three for 16. Gleason. Uh, yeah, Northern's were even worse in reply, finishing all out for 105. How the fuck do you defend 137? They also had no one <laughs> score more than 30. The nine uh, test is only care about Matty Henry. What was that? Langer would oh. be turning in his grave if he was dead. Oh, yeah. The nine test <laughs> New Zealand care bear, Matt Henry, took seven for 42 for Kent. Second time up, hard as a Kent's head, pulled their collective finger out and made 287. Key contributors being Joe Denley with 81, Zach, I've got cool parents, Crawley, and Sam, I did so play for England, Billings, who got 56. Hmm. Uh, Richard Gleeson was the best of the North Ants, picking up six for 79. In the, in the uh, South Beatles second innings, oh, North Ants, South Beatles, I want to see what I was doing there. Uh, they needed 320, 320 for victory, but it wasn't to be, wasn't to be as they were rolled for 217. North Ants keeper Adam Rossington, top score with 56. Matt Henry took another four for, for Kent. They're giving him match figures of 11 for 119. Kent win by 102. Kent 19. North End's three points. So next up, we've got Sussex. Sussex elected to have a bat first, so they took on Leicester. They got off to a great start, making 372. Four both got past 50. But it was the former test quick, Chris Jordan, who did the most damage, making 68. Best of the bowlers was the man with the shortest name in county cricket, Ben Mike. That's seven letters, people. Very short. Who took four Mike for 57? <laughs> Uh, I think his brother's name's Tom Mike. 
Uh, Leicester made a 133 in reply. 33 Dim Sims, thanks. Mark Crosgrove got out LBW for a duck. <laughs> so Leicester were 9 for 49 until Muhammad Abbas, who got 32 red, and Callum Parkson, who got 48. They put on 84 for the 10th wicket. So Ollie Robinson finished with 5 for 24 for Sussex. Sussex made 210 in their second dig. Chris Jordan once again was in the runs with 54. And Ben Mike picked up 5 for 37 for Leicester to give him 9 wickets for the match. Uh, Leicester was set 451 to win. And nothing in their performances so far this year would suggest they even stood a chance. And they didn't. Leicester got rolled for 176. Former Safra under 19 player Colin Ackerman got 52. Seven buckets of chicken, thanks. Mark Cosgrove got five. <laughs> Ollie Robinson did the damage again with five for 43, giving him 10 for 67 for the match. Sussex win by 274 runs. Sussex uh, get Leicester 23. Shit. Yeah. Sussex get 23 points. Leicester get three. If Leicester don't uh, sack Mark Cosgrove as their fucking bloke, they're killing themselves. He's their fitness uh, coach so, and captain. Yeah, I don't think in these games, I think he's had the captaincy taken off him because he hasn't been captain in a few of these games I've looked at. Oh, so you've got to focus on the fitness job. So yeah, that's enough. it. Yeah. Uh, it's because the armband wouldn't fit him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> there's, not, there's not enough material in Leicester to get around those places. <laughs> Uh, the elastic went in the armband. <laughs> it's so, like Bull's uh, original pair of cricket pants. The elastic went. But he kept, kept them on. Yeah, the new, the new, the new Leicester, the new Leicester captain's wearing Cozzy's old armband as a cummerbund when he when he plays. <laughs> <laughs> For those formal occasions where he's wearing a tuxedo. <laughs> when he goes, oh, he does the, the last. So the last game of the round of the last... Who's wearing the captain's cover bun today? In <laughs> our, our, last, our last game for the uh, Have That Will Travel for this episode, Warwickshire took on Durham. So Durham had a, had a field first. Warwickshire made 310. Have That Won't Travel. Jonathan Trott made 79. Barry McCarthy took four for 58 for Durham. Durham made 292 in reply. The Fresh Prince, Will Smith, made 45. Barry McCarthy also got in the runs with 43. Ollie Stone picked up 7 for 59 for Warwickshire. The chef. Uh, yep, second innings, Warwickshire made 199. Sam, it's running through my veins, Hayne, made 58. <laughs> uh, Indian ODI all-rounder Axar Patel picked up 7 for 54 for Durham. What's so an Durham, Axar? Mm, so the Axar of uh, bowling. Uh, Durham needed 218 for victory, but could only manage 8 for 115 before the close of play. Ollie Stone picked up 4 for for Warwickshire, giving him match figures of 11 for 96. The match ended in a draw. Warwickshire got 11 points. Durham got 10. And that is the end of Have Fat, Will Travel. Oh, you, Mick. Nice one. Excellent. Excellent, Mick. Uh, We move now on to international cricket. And the Asia Cup is underway. There's 12 games. We're going to read out uh, line by line each scorecard. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'll give you a quick summary. Sri Lanka turned up and was shit out. Uh, they lasted smashings. three days. Uh, their first game, they lost by 137 runs, bowled out for 124 against Bangladesh, chasing 261. They turned up two days later to play Afghanistan, who made 249, and Sri Lanka were bowled out for 158. Oh. So... They obviously really came to play. 
Hong Kong were in the other half of the draw, along with India and Pakistan. Uh, they gave India a scare. Uh, India made 285 for 7 of their 50 overs, and Hong Kong were none for 174 off 32 overs. Fucking oh. hell. But Jeez. then uh, it all it uh, came unstuck a bit, and they finished 8 for 259 to go down by 26 runs. Yeah. That's, that's still impressive, so, but... Mm. So Hong Kong and Sri Lanka were eliminated after the first round. Then it went into the Super Fours. And so India and Pakistan got to meet twice in a two-week tournament. Brilliant scheduling. Yeah. Uh, first time they met, India did it easily. Bowl Pakistan out for 162, chased that down without raising a sweat. And it was the game between Pakistan and Afghanistan that looked more interesting. Afghanistan 257 for 6, Pakistan just getting over the line. With three balls to spare, seven wickets down. Cool. So, India and Pakistan meet tonight at 9.30. For the second time, Pakistan will be hoping for a better showing. And then the final is on September the 28th, so it's coming up on Friday, 9.30pm. Check your local guides for details. Quick time, we'll have it on, no doubt, streamed all around the world. <laughs> as will Quick HD. Quick HD as well. Oh, right. Sorry about Yes. I just saw the photo of Finchie drinking a water bottle <laughs> next <laughs> yes. to a clock. Yeah, the clock. The clock thing. Which has ICC Global Cricket Academy written on it. <laughs> yeah. Weird. 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 It also looks like a it's like a birdhouse or something because there's like yeah, a door does. in the front of it. It's like a fake grandfather know. clock. It's weird. Oh, yeah. Weird shit. With a rope around it so you're not allowed to touch it. If you don't have, yeah, a, you don't have a clock slash birdhouse, can you really call yourself a cricket academy? Yeah, I don't think mm-hmm. so. Dude. <laughs> that is true. Uh, very good point. Now, uh, interesting thing that hit my desk, Ravi Shastri and Raul Dravid uh, talking about lack of practice matches being the reason for India's poor performances on overseas tours. Yes. Knock me over with a fucking feather. <laughs> How long have we been saying this for? Uh, right, so uh, Shastri uh, and India. India have been doing weird stuff, though. India cancelled their only practice match before the uh, Cape Town, first test in Cape Town on their tour of South Africa and they shortened the one against Essex on this current tour of England from four days to three. On both occasions India were two nil down in the series before winning the third test. Uh, After being two nil down in South Africa, Ravi Shastri later admitted that ten more days of preparation would have made a difference and after losing 4-1 he said Shastri also clarified that contrary to popular belief India were absolutely not against playing practice matches and the team management had in fact requested Two more, two warm-ups before the Australian tests. Yeah. Right. Dravid took it a step further and he said, ideally they should be playing practice matches. Definitely India needs to look into it, but even other teams need to cooperate. For example, if Australia can guarantee India two good practice matches, we should be able to reciprocate and do the same for them when they come here. Mm. So it is uh, so- a very good point that test cricket, we've, you know, one of the issues is that uh, in recent years, home teams tend to dominate at home. Yeah. yeah. And one of the issues it's felt, even though these guys are professionals, is that they don't get time to adjust to the conditions by playing proper matches. Now they might not want um, as many tour matches as you know, decades ago. <coughs> there should be. As this is good. Australia's playing Pakistan. Eh? Uh, Australia's been real pricks about this, throwing out that. Chairman's Eleven rubbish that they um, or Cricket Australia Eleven, whatever it's yeah. called, Taxi, absolute rubbish. Blokes who don't even play state cricket, 
Yeah. I don't see why those tour matches, when they come here, at least one of them can't be Australia A. Yeah, and I just don't 100%. get that. Yeah. My so, biggest concern with with that, Ross, is that Raul Dravid appeared to be talking common sense then, so that means that he'll mm. probably be he'll be run out of the Indian system. Yeah. I imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yes, because he. This is the opening line. Rail Dravid wants cricket boards across the world to ensure that visiting teams are provided with quality opposition in warm-up matches ahead of Test tours in a bid to avoid one-sided contests. The lack of the issue of lack of practice matches on tours has been brought up several times recently. And Dravid said their decreasing number was a result of schedules and local teams being reluctant to put their best players out for the touring teams. It has to be reciprocal. Mm. You have to work together. It's just common sense, isn't it? Yeah. 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 No, so it's frustrating it doesn't happen because one-sided test matches or test series that don't get going until the second or third test are quite annoying because yeah. they're and the usually big only three and then it's, yeah, it's already it's all over practice yeah, before it gets started. Yeah. So, and yeah. the other side of that coin too is is that um, by using Australia A or even state teams as warm-up mm. games like they used to in the past, which I understand it's harder now, due to the scheduling in our own country. But that that gives the guy an opportunity to show his wares against the Test Nation mm. and put mm. his name in front of the selectors, which has happened in the past mm. with the likes of Mike Hussey and a few other blokes. And by going to this system that we run now of playing some bloke who's playing second eleven cricket for Mossman against India, like it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't help India but it also doesn't help our Australian side get stronger because yeah. blokes aren't getting exposed. I agree. And if there was one Australia A game every year, I reckon you'd find guys who are just on the cusp of the test team really trying their guts out to get into that game and then in that game as well to show that if there's an injury or something's not quite right in the test team, they're ready to go and they're capable. But it also it would also, like, if you telecasted those two games, especially now that we've got the Fox Cricket Channel here yeah. in Australia, is that people will start to learn the guys that are the next rung down and it might actually build up a better following of Sheffield Shield cricket like it used to have in the past as well. Yep. Oh, I agree. I don't understand. I understand they can't... Um, uh, you know, they're not going to roll out Australia A uh, for every warm-up game, but it just it's the fact that Australia A hasn't played a game in Australia for seven or eight years is just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. And the there was some agreement made... Uh, I can't think what it was. It's, I think it might have even come out of the Argus report that they wanted the Shield teams as strong as possible, so they they got rid of having Australia A games because that would drop the Shield quality. You could also uh, have an Australia A game not on the same weekend as a, a cool. Shield game, though. Like, there are that's gaps true. in between the Shield fixtures. Yeah, that's true. That is <laughs> true. We yeah. don't have to be mutually exclusive. No, that's <coughs> no overlap on the Venn diagram. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Two separate circles. Uh, it's the one. <laughs> yes. Anyway, that's another fixturing thing. And if they wanted it to happen, of course it could happen. Yeah, it's, definitely. It's, it's true of everything in fixturing and in paint and in life. <laughs> okay. Uh, the other thing was, um, do you mind have caught up with this news, Gin uh, Alex, that uh, Alistair Cook retired? Yes, I did see that when I was overseas. Mm. He made 147 uh, in his last dig. Yeah. Yep. So just six runs short of a daddy hundred, he'd be devastated, I imagine. Yeah. I think he'll go round again after that. <laughs> yeah, probably. His daddy 70 in the first innings, 147 in the second, so just a lazy 210-odd for the game. Yep. Yeah. 
So it must have been a flat deck then, if he scored runs. <laughs> I'd say so. Uh, <laughs> well, at least the in the last five years or so. Yeah, Peter Layla. He said, I've watched Alistair Cook bat for hours and hours and hours, and I can't recall one shot. One <laughs> memorable shot. <laughs> um, fair tribute to him. And speaking of um, Englishmen going out swinging, boxing Ben Stokes and Alex Hales are going to be dragged in front of the ECB um, due to their incident for bringing the game into disrepute. Oh, yes. Yes, they are. Each player has been charged with two counts of breaching ECB Directive 3.3. Quote, no participant may conduct themselves in a manner or do any act or omission at any time which may be prejudicial to the interests of cricket, which Ooh. may bring the ECB, the game of cricket, or any cricketer, or any group of cricketers, into disrepute. Hang them. I think they have covered all bases with that statement. <laughs> Hung, drawn, and quartered. Go medieval style. I want to know which... which... Sporting competition first come up with bringing the game into disrepute, oh. and every other competition's followed it because it's a catch-all mm. for doing anything dumb oh, or anything I, that the competition yeah. doesn't like. Or the Tour de France, body. definitely Tour de France. Yeah, it's it's funny because I think the ECB are going to charge Alistair Cook with bringing the game into repute after his <laughs> love final innings. Love final innings, old oh, Sheffy. Hey, yes, well. On that note, uh, put an embargo on talking any more about cricket. <laughs> well, um, those uh, who of us who like long podcasts will be happy. Do we have to finish on any listener feedback? Um, yeah, I've got a bit from uh, my better mates. Um, yep. They said, while I was away, the team managed to roll out Literally the worst sound quality episode has <laughs> ever been. So, yeah, congratulations, bad. guys. You're now the winner of the <laughs> brown microphone. Worst <laughs> sound quality. Fucking bullshit. Say, We've had way worse than that before. Yeah, I was going to say, the one we had to take down, that was yeah. worse. Well, I'm getting to believe it. The worst one. <laughs> it it was good. Drop out. Yeah, it it was good that here we are, episode 76. We've just, we haven't mentioned it, we've just clocked up three years of podcasting. Yep. And last week we put in one of our worst sound quality issues, sound quality episodes for a long time. So we went, it's, went back it's to good our to know that, that's it. It's good to know that, yes, in three years we've come so far, yet some things don't change. <laughs> Just keeping them all on their toes, that's all that yeah, is. Yeah, that's it. And um, unfortunately we haven't had an opportunity to go on our annual retreat yet, so look out. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, look at Dandy Dom. 360 degree feedback. Oh, <laughs> that's coming. Don't worry about that. That's coming. I look forward to it this year, boys. Oh, yeah. And, and also, Alex, we're not playing golf, okay? No. <laughs> not playing golf next weekend. <laughs> uh, and there was a little bit of feedback we had from one of our UK correspondents, Denzel Washington, who was telling us how good. <laughs> Harbhajan Singh has been as a commentator on the UK TV coverage of the England-India test matches. And, uh, yeah, hopefully he's in the Channel 7 box. We wait and see if if that is (laughs) is um, something they would do. (laughs) Ricky Ponting is in there. Yeah. 
Well, interesting. It would be interesting because Ricky Ponting is in that commentary team, Ooh. and I'm not sure that Arvindan Singh and Ricky Ponting are mates. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, even... I think Ricky might overrule that one. Yeah, uh, it might be a case of Ian Botham and Ian Chappell's style <laughs> <laughs> exiting out of different doors of the commentary box, <laughs> <laughs> sitting with someone in between them at all times. <laughs> Ah, right. So, uh, Hoax and Stales are off to Sri Lanka next, and then they come back for their hearing, and then off to the West Indies. So, good on them. Good old Hoax and Stales. Yep, no one picked up that I did that. No, No, we we did. We just let it slide. We did, just just lame. Fair enough. They won't won't miss any games anyway, because I'll let them do it for time served and when they were missing games. Yeah, that's right. I'll give them 10 days suspension, which is when they're not touring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You're not (laughs) letting them come in the gym. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even look at that bench press. (laughs) England have no games for 20 days. I'll take a 20-day suspension. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, well... Uh, it's been a big three years. I haven't been able to put together the compilation tape of all the highlights over the 76 episodes, but uh, I'll get um, get on to that and no doubt not do it by next episode. <laughs> so uh, if anything, the one thing that has improved across the time is this quality of the music, outro music. <laughs> so on that note, uh, this brings us to a close. We'll be back in a fortnight with our next episode. You can catch us on all major social media and podcasting platforms. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, at Midoff Cricket, on our website, midoffcricketpodcast.com. <laughs> so, Uber Eats. We're on Uber Eats. We're on everything. <laughs> We're on Deliveroo next time you want a pizza yeah. in a hurry. <laughs> We rip off all our... Yeah, I can say we pay him less than minimum wage and make him ride his bike when it's raining. Our next podcast will be in a fortnight, as I've already said. Until next time, it's bye for now. Thanks for listening. Bye, guys. See you later. See you. Bye. Bye.